is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Craig Hutchison, Damien Barrett with you in the South Bank studios. And Hutchy, uh, we're speaking today on a Monday afternoon, which is about 20 hours after your basketball team, Melbourne United, went to zip in the uh, NBL final series. Long way to go, Damo, is what you meant to say, isn't it? Long way to go. And uh, no, it's been a great start. Albeit there's three games left in the series. We need to win one of the three. Friday night in Melbourne is game three. Feel great that the team gets to come home. They've been gone for the best part of north of 30 days, I think north of 10 games. So it's a big effort to be on the road that long and play that well and to win both times in Perth, who are one of the great franchises mm. of Australian sport. And I think it's an incredible effort by the team. So, And it was really exciting on the weekend to live a little vicariously through my... 11-year-old at home, Nicholas, who has loved it and been very emotionally connected and invested in the game, says the whole family Does has. he feel like he's an owner himself, given that you he's behaving, tell him you own a he, club? I've, yeah, right. I've encouraged him to behave a bit that way, admittedly. <laughs> 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 no, he's just, he knows the sport back to front like most 11-year-olds do because they've grown up on basketball, yeah. haven't they? In our era, we didn't get the same exposure to overseas content. And I don't know about you, but kids consume so much media, don't they? Yeah. yeah. They Not necessarily the, the entire... Uh, Match of a of a sporting contest, but they certainly know what goes on in, yeah. in that match. News and clips and, and TikTok and yeah, nothing yeah. nothing gets past them. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Dave. I must be honest, and I think it well under the NBL in particular. It's a lovely read in the weekend I saw on Larry Kesselman and and his aspirations for the league. Well under all of the teams we've got through, it's been an exciting final series, and just hopefully, Damo. Hopefully we're going to win. Yeah. Well, what happens though? Because it, I watched the second half of it after the football finished yesterday, and it was it was great TV, I must admit, and and it was just a great sporting contest and a full house there at the uh, yep. Perth venue. Obviously, it comes back to Melbourne now as we speak, and again, this may well change, but as we speak, do you know what is going to happen when it comes to a crowd? I believe there'll be a crowd. I don't know that officially, and I think it'll be a small one. I'm just trying to work out the that's a shame though, is the it? number? Well. It's a massive shame. There's a few ways to look at it. It, it is disappointing for our fans who've been so supportive, and it would be easy to look at it and get frustrated. But if I would look at it a little bit differently. Our team gets to come home and play, which is really important. They get to be with their families, which and and friends. Uh, we will get some. You know, we'll get a crowd, I think, some description. Touch wood. All the the regulations head the right way. Uh, we've been well supported in Victoria in terms of having the NBL Cup here for three and a half weeks and fans got to get more and more games at a discount price. Yeah, it's been tough for our members and those type of things, but it can be glass half full or glass half empty on these things. I think Melbourne City would probably be the same. It's an opportunity to – we've got a season away. How good's that, you know? Yep. And the idea of winning it is really exciting. So there'll be a time and place to do it better and properly. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We shouldn't lose sight of that and hopefully it's a win. You know, you often uh, hang it on me for taking the uh, the why side of the why versus the why not. Yep. Can I put it to you that w- why not you try something very, very different and convince the government to allow you to have a crowd? Could you somehow, and you're the business brain in this conversation, obviously, is, is there a way you could take this event outside Hutchie in, a, in an inverted commas way? Just just put a canvas over the top of an outdoor venue well, and let a lot of people in. You'd be assuming, Domo, that, It'd be naive to think those conversations haven't happened. Well, here we go. 
So the why not has. I think the best result. Begun. The best result is probably a two and a half thousand, twenty five percent capacity crowd on Friday night. The venue can. That's the best result. I think that's probably the best result. The venue can be opened. Now, if you benchmark that, we've had a great relationship with Bendigo. It holds four thousand. There'd been talk about whether you could, how we could do Bendigo differently. Is that the right thing versus the fan base in Melbourne? It, like whichever way you do it. Could you, you use a as, as weird as this may sound, Hutchie, a rectangular oval in Melbourne? Like what? In, NRL style. Amy Park. Amy Park, yeah, but there's a lot of fair infrastructure costs, a lot of risk. I understand. In, I understand. In place. And it's an NBL final series, not an Melbourne United final series, by the way. The, the league own the finals yeah. and it's their jurisdiction. I would say this, the league. You're the entrepreneur. I'm just throwing up some ideas for you, Hutchie. You sound like me driving the league mad every night at 10 o'clock. The, the, so you have tried this, the league have done you, you, a, you have tried this. I think the league have done a great job. A fantastic job. Their staff in particular, they're getting all of the combinations through. I, I do think you need to think industriously about sport. So here's, let me just flag this with you. Why why aren't we playing a mini hub in Melbourne AFL-wise in the next few weeks? We're going to have Sydney afflicted, we think. Melbourne's starting to come good. We're going to have Brisbane with uh, and, and, and South Australia with interesting takes on borders. Melbourne's probably going to have the most open border policy in the next three, four weeks. I still think there's been a missed opportunity this year in AFL football of getting teams together to play a mini carnival or a mini series. And it won't happen, obviously, but it could have. Into next year, and particularly into 23 when some of the deals rewire, this is what I'd like to see happen. 24 games rather than 22. Is, is another plan. This is about your 15th go at this, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it is. Well, I don't think the bigger the bigger plan is not going to get up. So this is the most this is the simplest plan to get up. Twenty four rather than twenty two. I'm still intrigued as to how you have time to work this out. But yep, I, I, I do like your plans better than most people's theories on how the game should look. So I'm, I'm open ears here. The clubs get ten home games, Out one of- one less, and ten away. That's twenty. Four are carved out, and you play four games in the mid season. Cup or Carnival. Over four weeks or a condensed over, period? Even shorter if you can, over yep. three weeks. So you play four games over three weeks maximum. They're centralised games. Centralised revenues, centralised costs, equal distribution of 18 teams. It's an equalisation policy. So you go to the clubs and say, it's 24 games rather than 22. You've got one less home game, so you're going to lose, you know, 11th of your revenue. But over here, you're going to get an earn of being one eighteenth of the mini event in the middle of the year. And we're going to move that around every year like Magic Round Brisbane style. So, you know, Victoria would have been the best place to have it this year because we were starved of footy last year. The government have already shown they'll support the NBL Cup in March. Why wouldn't they have supported the AFL and a mini tournament around July or August? But it'd be something that Perth could bid on and Adelaide could bid on and it moves around every year and it's centralised. It'd be a way to get a different broadcast product so they can either go back to the broadcast partners and... uh, make that a plus alpha spend, or say we're going to carve that out and give it to Amazon, for instance. Yep. And it would also be get a way to get the soft cap back up. So I think the players kind of you know, would rather play than train and take the preseason games off them and their money might not change at all or significantly, whereas the coaches, you can say, I'm going to give you the 10% back and that goes to 75 and from 6.3. Can you tell me any downside? And then it means something. So not only is it a... It's a mini tournament, but it's for home and away points as well as a trophy. Same as the NBL Cup model. The NBL Cup model, having watched it in basketball, was fantastic. Mm. Now, no one cares in the AFL about anything other than the main game, though, Hutchie. 
is what are you going to do? We we won that mini cup back in uh, two thousand and twenty two. No, no, I, no one's ever going to finish a career and say that. No, I, I agree with that. But it would be whether you whether you bought into it as a concept or you didn't wouldn't matter because you're playing for premiership points as well. Mm. So if you just went there for the points, so be it. And then it'd be a great marketing promotional tool for the game in that period, I think. Yeah. And you could try some different things, different time slots, and it gives you permission to do stuff. That would be what I would do. What about the, uh, we move on from that, the, the, the optics of what we're, we're seeing at the moment, Hutchie, we've got a couple of uh, optics issues. I want to flag with you what happened uh, at Geelong last week. So uh, a crowd of 7,000 or thereabouts was allowed into the venue, roughly 25% being a regional part of Victoria, which was more open in the COVID sense regulatory wise than Melbourne itself. Uh, they think it jammed into... One, basically one section or two sections of the ground. They're not dispersed, which yep. I thought was going to be the reason there's only 25% in there. So there's and, one. And the, in the TV arc as well. And, and on the side where you can see it funny on the lounge rooms. Yeah. So, so have a think about that. Someone actually sat down and said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to squash everyone in hmm. and we're going to actually make them compact inside the television where millions can see it. Yeah. At a time we're trying to deal with the optics of, of only allowing 25% in of the capacity, which is supposedly yep. allowing a bit of air and maybe even 1.5 metres between people. So th- there's one aspect of optics. The second aspect was, and for those who didn't catch up with the result, Gary Rowan kicks a goal after the final siren to win the game for Geelong. Creates an immediately an emotional pylon of... Jump of on each other. Jumping on each other. I saw a couple of kisses players kiss each other. Their faces were basically in each other's faces. It was an all-team... Hugathon, and then masks. And then the song. ninety seconds later, they're in the rooms wearing masks, yep. singing the song. Hachi, I'm, I'm, look, I'm one. I'm a stickler for rules. You bag me for being that way. I will still do what I'm told to do. But I'm over the optics that are attached to this now, Hachi. I've had enough of the optics. Yeah, you were out. Of, you're the first one inducted into the Cynics Association last week as inaugural president, and uh, it's you're only the only one sitting there at the moment. But even you, as a cynic, I'm temporarily joining you on this. Wow. I, I can big. only. I can only. I've had ass- enough, Hutchie. I'm done with the optics. Bugger the optics. I can only assume this was done quickly, and oh. the, and it wasn't thought through. No, but you know what? I've you, stopped it, assuming that, Hutchie, because it, everything is now being done on the run. They're, yeah. they're, they're retrofitting whatever they think they'd it was, say. It was actually a little bit indefensible how it went on the weekend. I'm glad you. I thought you were going to push back on that, like you normally do. Because I suspect that there was no ruling around where and Geelong and the. Been new operator said, "Okay, well, if there's no rule around where we yeah. might as well maintain our. Uh, we'll save costs on, yeah, well, on not opening no, up every part of the 100% ground. Hundred percent cost was a part of it because, and I get that, I get that as the venue operator. But as, as a venue operator, you're only opening up for. 7, but if there's 000. another set of legislation to say, no, 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 we're only allowing twenty five percent in, and they have to be dispersed. Well, then you that that trumps the venue operator having that rule. And then seven would have been probably saying, oh, it'd be good to see those people on television if we can. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I reckon we can figure that out. And before you know it, the, the show's probably sitting at home on Friday night, going, how's this happen? <laughs> when I left my office on Tuesday, as part of the six hundred things I had to." Do I said it was okay. Was on that the when he left his office when he was at the awards night himself when yeah. he went for a travel session? Hutchie? Oh, oh, I'm going to come back to that in one sec. Well, well let's ha- let's go now. Um, so th- there's other optics attached to that. So what should have happened? You don't hear the language of one and a half meters anymore, by the way. That's out the window. Have you heard that? Have no, you I heard just, the words one and a half meters? You don't hear it, but you see it. Like you see yeah. the sign. There's a cricket your cricket bats uh, distance at, at the MCG. That's that's yeah. the that's the you vernacular. Know, the one the one and a half meters is out the window in the narrative, and the and the knocking elbows rather than shaking hands out the window. They're the two things that have gone and they've been the casualties yep. of the of the, of the language move forward. Um, what they should have done was clearly had, say, I don't know, three areas of 2,500 and had one on the half-foot flank and one on the other half-foot Just to flank. say they're doing something. But and, yeah. And then had three. Contract trace would have been part of it. It would be easier to contract trace. 
it's contract tracing. But they should have had three groups that came in and out from separate that, that is a complete new set of optics on contract tracing yep. in this state. There is no such thing. Yep. Now, I don't so, want to so, sound critical of the choke because he's done a fantastic job. He, but, he being the Chief Health Officer of Victoria, Brett Sutton. Yep. Yep, the choke. Well, I don't say fantastic job. Saving the emails, whether you think he has or he hasn't. In the circumstances, <laughs> it's, a, it's a... And you don't care what people think anyway. I know, but it's a, it's a tough, bloody tough gig. So I accept that he's done an almighty job with, almighty, what, he's, with what he's had to deal with and made some mistakes, but he's done his best. I'll, I'll, I'll give him an okay assessment. Canberra, flying to Canberra when Melbourne's in a shutdown, yeah. is optic number one silly. Optic number two silly is accepting an award for anything. He didn't get an award, did he? If you read, he the, couldn't have gotten an award. Or being part of no, being part of acknowledging someone else's award. Oh well, who's who's given awards out in the health space during See, the pandemic? Victoria, as a society, is a, is entirely cynical and jaded right now. So it just can't accept things like that. There was absolutely nothing wrong with him going in normal yes, there times and circumstances. Normal times, yeah, but we haven't had normal times for two years. But unfortunately, everything looks bad in Victoria. It doesn't matter what you do outside what the community's doing, it just looks bad. To use your phrase, the Cho wouldn't allow more than whatever it was, five, eight, or whatever it was at that, at that point in time for the optics, people to attend a funeral of a of a kid, Hutchie, yep. who, and so you who died the... horrifically. Okay, so his office said no. Now, he, he might wash his personal hands of that situation, but they wouldn't allow a family to grieve in a, in a, in a funeral arrangement a week and a half earlier. So the lens that but I always... he can travel? The lens I always tell people to run is, how does it read as the first paragraph on the front page of the paper? If you write the, par- the worst version of the paragraph, that's generally a pretty good barometer for how the optics are going to be. So mm. in this instance... The Chief Health Officer of Victoria flew to Canberra to attend a glitzy award ceremony, black tie, $400 plate, yep. while, insert his own state, while funerals couldn't do this, while that yep. couldn't do that, while this could There's no way that story travels well. No. And he's he was good enough to say, oh, in hindsight, if I'd known the reaction. Oh. But you just got to know the reaction of those things at the start. You got to read the first sentence. And if you can live with the first sentence, by the way, if he was of the mindset, like I can... Yep. Sometimes be, which is okay. People are going to interpret it this way, and that's how it is. Yeah, but I don't think he was. I think he just he was shocked by the reaction. No, but how, how do you how do you get on that plane if you're him? I, I don't get it. At what stage were you driving to the airport in a car, or someone's dropping you off, and even you're walking through the check in, check yep. out, check in? You're going to think I shouldn't be here. I, I actually should not be here. I've made rulings on the entire state for two years that they can't leave it. Yeah, or, or, or other states have made that on our on our behalf, blocking us out. And for those listening outside Melbourne right now, wouldn't really understand. And I've got a real insight of that too, because having been living in Sydney on and off for the last four or five months, it's a different country right now. Sydney, mm. it, uh, we feel for everyone going through the issues in Bono this week. But ostensibly, I, I think I texted you last Thursday morning when there were two cases in Bondi on Wednesday, or in the city. I can't remember where the first cases were. Straight away, as a Victorian, I thought, oh, this is problem, trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's just drilled into me to be fearful of next, what's happening next, Which right? Which is part of what's happened here. I got up way. Thursday morning. I got the telegraph out. I was at breakfast. And it wasn't front page. It wasn't a strip on the front page. Mm. It wasn't COVID shock. Page three? Page three. Page it five? Was page seven. Yep. As, and in essence, as a strip on page seven. COVID mm. cases yesterday. Now, in Melbourne... Oh. After a run of no cases, there's hysteria yep. around a case or two. Well, there's a hysteria around so-and-so has been to Bunnings. He or she then went to this cafe in 
yep. insert suburb here. He or she then travelled from there to the... We're blaming them by the time we worked out where they've been. And we're, we're still tracing people two years or yeah. 18 months after this thing started, Hutchie. So it, the it, media's tracing people. It's obviously got a bit worse in Sydney since then, but at the, and they're starting to get it covered appropriately. But at the time, it almost didn't register on the news cycle in the print newspapers. Now, it speaks a little bit to the different mentality of the print papers, Melbourne City, despite the fact they're the same owner, by the way. Another story for another day. But what it spoke to for me, I think I just texted you so can you believe this? Yeah. It spoke to trust. In Sydney, the mindset is, oh, yeah, there'll be a case here and there. Got us all sorted out. Contract tracing's good. They all believe in the contract tracing. You don't see anyone go, you know, I don't think this is going to work or how's it going to work. They just got to trust it. Yeah. I know they live in pockets in Sydney differently. You know, like you can, it is a very pocket-driven town. It's a pocket-driven yeah. town. And I've lived, in the, I've lived yep. there for a year at one time and spent but a lot of time there. There are pockets. The yep. starting position I find in Sydney is things are okay. Like the Thursday night and Friday were still booming around the city and restaurants yeah. and bars. The starting point in Melbourne is things are going to get bad here. Like we just haven't – we don't trust the system. Yep. We've got – and so our whole way we're living our business lives is, is the same. In Melbourne, there's still cynicism, pessimism, fear – the newspapers feed it, obviously, because it's a sellable product. It's a, it's a commodity. And in Sydney, there's quite the other way. It's and also the people down here have no idea what they're doing with it. We can say that too, can't well, that's we? That's subjective. No, it's not. That's factual. But we, what's, no idea, what's not subjective is that we don't have the same levels of trust in the system in Melbourne as mm. those in Sydney do. That's nothing subjective about that. One more on the optics, unless you've got a few other offerings, but uh, the Prime Minister went across for a, a gathering of world leaders, and I've got no drum with that part of it. We okay? talked about this last week, you yeah, remember? Yeah, yep. no, but the optics I'm referring to are the fact he's now back in Australia and yep. he's quarantining, quarantining at the lodge. Quarantining at the lodge, yeah. yeah. W- wouldn't the optics have been better, and this is my use of the optics in this part of this conversation, wouldn't they have been better if he felt that he would be in with everyone else? Because of the situation um, that he's created for everyone else to come in through a, a hotel quarantine system. What's happening here? We're recording this on this is series six, episode twenty, isn't it? Yes, I haven't said that yet. It's episode twenty, series six. This is not a rerun, is it? You're not. This is the exact argument I mounted to you last week. I said to you, quote unquote, I don't have a problem with him going, but he should come back and understand the quarantine system like everyone else. You're now pitching it back to me seven days later as your idea. I knew I'd, I knew In fact, I'll tell, you what I'm gonna, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Oh, it's, hang on, it's episode 21, by the way. Jane just pointed out. So maybe, just, maybe, I'll, maybe. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Let's have a listen back <laughs> to what I said last week on this. <laughs> <laughs> there I was. Well, I knew I'd, probably, I knew I'd heard it somewhere, Hutsy, and I thought it was a good idea. I didn't know, I didn't know it was you, you just, last week. You've just pitched <laughs> the same idea back to me as your own, looking at me like you trying to convince me of something. I was on a roll with those optics uh, uh, angles. I, I, I know it's a good it. idea. I gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the first time you've done that, by the way. How old are you, how old are you getting? That is the first time I've done that. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's a long season, actually. Uh, yeah. And I'm done. I've told you, I'm done. I'm, uh, done, I'm done with the optics, I'll actually. tell you, only in 21, right? Only in 21 can this happen. So it hit my news feed today. Talk about comebacks. Talk about weirdness in politics. Barnaby Joyce. Yes. <laughs> Barnaby Joyce, who was stood down in 2018 amidst an unresolved allegation of sexual misconduct. Yep. At the same time having... An affair in the office. A relationship with a staff member, yes. And a child. Is now in the middle of the government's biggest ever female crisis. The Deputy Prime Minister, (laughs) again... He's, He's ousted Michael McCormack as leader of the Nationals. Michael McCormack's out. Barnaby Joyce is back as the leader of the National Party. I saw it come up on the TV and I thought, 
what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I only fell off the chair. I hadn't been following the story well enough. So this is, a, I'm sure most people who knew but no politics weren't surprised. And I read the commentary since. Oh, no, I think it's surprised that a few people. But did. then, did you see, the, who, who saw, he, who announced it in the parliament and swore him in? Who announced the result? Yeah, tell me. Talk about comebacks, right? Uh, is this the former footballer? Damien Drum. Yeah. <laughs> Old mate Drummy. <laughs> yeah. Werby coach. Sacked Fremantle coach, Drummy. Yeah. Uh, talk about comebacks. He He's the guy in parliament. Announcing it. Announcing <laughs> Barnaby's back. So the two, Damien's uh, reached a level in Australian politics and hats off to him to go in from as being a, an oust senior coach to being a National Party figure, to being the whip who announced the result. <laughs> he's the whip, is he? Well, he, yeah. I, I, I suppose he is, yeah. He, yeah. I read that today. If I said to you, if I said to you two years ago, don't worry about Barnaby, in two years from now, a former AFL coach is going to announce to the Australian public that he's back as leader of the <laughs> National Party in the parliament. You'd said, oh, I'll turn it up. <laughs> you would have. Talk about two comebacks. Now, tell me, Hutchie, you said last week, and, think, and I remember what you, this. What do you think of that decision, by the way? Barnaby? Yeah. I just can't cop it. <laughs> I mean, he's got the, – the, the, you know what? That His comeback today is is exhibit A of the problem we've got in Australian politics, Hutchie. And I, don't, I don't even think I need or nor want to go any deeper. I, now, I entirely agree with you. Here's proof of the fact I did listen to what you did say in the previous episode. And just to back over, this is episode 21 of Series 6. And in episode 20 of Series 6, you did say – you would, on this particular episode, produce a list of your cynics association. So yeah, I haven't done it. The floor's yours. I haven't done it. Oh, surprise, surprise. I told Jane that you wouldn't do it. I told you when we sat down today I hadn't done it. And you've tried to bring it up to sort of shame me into trying to dodge my way out of it. I'm just telling you point blank. I haven't done it. I knew you wouldn't. I texted you three times during the week. I asked Jane to remind you and you still haven't done it. I didn't think in the end it was worth the time, effort, and energy. I couldn't see the ROI on it, to be honest. <laughs> well, I do. And in episode 22, you will be doing it. I'm okay? not really interested in picking fights around the place. I'd have to name some genuine cities. Well, I know. I'd be on it somewhere. So you can name, no, name I, me number there, one. There's not a person I have known or work with in Australia who trumps you in cynicism. Oh, there you go. So, and I say that without well, fear or favour. There you go. There's number one. Who's number two? The others will slowly roll out in the coming weeks. <laughs> but I haven't done Hey, you did ask I, me to do something else, though. You asked me to look at... I've got a bombshell to drop too. A sounding board bombshell at some stage you want to drop. It won't oh. be good for you when you're doing, but not you personally. Oh. But now you, you go with your next idea. What's your bombshell? Well, you hang it on me for the amount of leave that you claim I take. Yes. Okay. And you were the one who put eight weeks to me when you first pitched to me to come and join. Not, 20, not 22, which you end up taking. I since plus have time, plus time in Lou. I've been for, no, no. I never take time in Lou. I work seven days a week, and I take now. I've, I've been I'm fortunate enough now to have a, a ten week deal, which I'm happy to go on record with because it's fact. It's embarrassing. It's ten. Well, you used to make it eight when I used to work for you, so it's only a slight increase on the eight. There are that I know of a minimum of three people that you are paying who are on significantly more time off than I am. Yeah, who are they? The two bikes who do the radio show in the morning. And the bloke who comes on after them. Gary and Tim and, and Whaley? Yep. Yep. And I put it to you that the two blokes in the morning shift have a lot more time than 10 weeks off. Plus, they get public holidays. No, they worked last Monday. Public holidays. Yeah, they worked last Monday because they probably needed to fit in with their Channel 7 and Foxtel commitments. But but you, on your watch, so are, big, paying, are paying them that's more, your, that's more your big bombshell, is it? 12 weeks, 
12 weeks off they're getting. That's your big bombshell. 12 weeks off on the books. Well, where do I start there? How, how did that get through the audit? Where do I start when, there? When you've, when you've made, a, made a song and dance about me taking 10. Where, where do I start there? A, we're not either of their principal employers, Gary and Tim. They have jobs in But Fox on the SEN and, books, they're getting 12 weeks plus public holidays. So they have, they have other jobs. We we provide they provide 12, services to us as opposed weeks. to working full time, which you did. Twelve weeks. They're not full time staff, Damo. Oh, you're very defensive here, aren't you? B the Australian radio um, talent world is built upon twelve non ratings weeks and some and, you, and you've had the gall there's to, not, to there's not anyone in Australian radio who works more weeks than them. Of all the things you could accuse me of, making people not work enough would have to be the flimsiest <laughs> argument. This is not the argument I'm making, Hutchie. You've never asked. No, you've dined out on, on making out me to be the worst don't know. holiday taker, but I don't even take many. I don't even take the 10 weeks. Your job was us, and you had longer leave. That was your, well, I was your, your employer, not a subcontractor. You pitched it to me. They are, you pitched it to me. They are subcontract. And Jared, you've, you've got wrong because he has a cricket in his off-season. He still has 11 weeks you've off. Missed, you've missed, no, he doesn't. He works through <laughs> the summer on the I cricket. I think you'll find he does. No, <laughs> you got that one wrong. So you're going to get spring stories to table, get them right. Oh, this is really hit a nerve, hasn't it? If you're going to bring stories to the table, twelve weeks, Gary and get Tim, them right. Yeah, they'd be forty-one plus, plus or public two. public holidays, forty-one or two weeks, I reckon, around there, somewhere around there. They'd be about ten weeks, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve plus public holidays. As a rule, I know last week they. they I don't did. think there'd be anyone in Australian radio that does over forty weeks, would there? It's interesting, though, isn't it? Would Kyle and Jackie O be over forty weeks? Would Neil well, Mitchell? I don't know. I don't, I'm just Ross dealing Stevenson. with. I'm just I dealing with the people on when, your books. When, see, when you're elite demo, you can pick your weeks. When you're a bit like, <laughs> oh, a, I've never seen you react. When you're at the top end, oh, when, this has hit a rawest nerve. When I've you're ever a hit. kind of a, you know, oh. you're a reporter type. You don't really get to pick and choose your weeks like you do. You're, you're the only one I know of. That, now you're getting very personal. That, that now you're that. getting too personal. Speaking of radio, yep. you, you sent this to me during the week. Um, this was. On Rhett Bartlett's, Rhett Bartlett's got some very good stuff on his Twitter. He feed, does. By the way. It's, a, it's a fascinating Twitter account that he got. Yep. He's got a, a vault of vision that he somehow, I don't know where he's got that from, but it's there's some good stuff it, on it there. It is very good. He's, he's either been recording a lot of things over the years or he got hold of a good library reel at some stage. I, I think it is the family collection. I think it's old VHS, a lot yep. of it. Oh, that's my belief on it anyway, but well, it's, it's great stuff. Well, it's a good brand retrospective and it's good content. And he had put up a story during the week of. Three eight. Do you want to play a bit of it, or do you, how do you want to play this? Well, related to a survey, radio survey, fourteen years ago, um, this, where, week. Yep. this week, yeah, this week, where, where you were working on three W. This is the reason I said it to you was because three W got a bad set of books, which uh, rating books, which is unusual for three W when it comes to anything. And I recall the time because I think I just started. I was about to start working with you, and you were you were part of this story. Here's a little bit of a sample of the story. A humbled Rex Hunt emerged from the hour-long crisis session promising changes. Well, it was a good old kick up the backside. And confirming from now on, this is a thing of the past. Yesterday's football host Craig Hutchison and producer Ralph Horowitz were sacked and Rex Hunt put on notice. If I have a look at my performance, uh, perhaps I should have gone. They were heady times. They were heady times. I think you just left Triple M to go and work for 3AW. Is that right? And in the, within no, the I first... Got, I reckon I got through a good first year. Okay. I think. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon 2006 yep. we, we all enjoyed. And then 2007, I started at the footy show and was hosting 3AW pregame on the weekends. Hosting most shifts, most of the footy shifts. And in the middle of the year, we had... 
a bad survey out of nowhere. I think the one before had been a little bit ho hum, to be honest. The first one is usually a non, of not a full footy book, which which is what I used to get told anyway. But it was it was a business that had never had really had a soft survey, and it it was felt hard. And I remember I was in a lunch, I was hosting. I've hosted lunches for Core Quarters. My great mate Daniel Dradovich, who was groomsman in his wedding from Oracle, a chartered accountant in Melbourne, been hosting lunches for them for nearly 20 years. It was three a year. I was hosting a lunch, group chat for two hours. And I could see the Graham Mott call coming up on my phone underneath the table. I'm, in, I'm steering a conversation. And he tried to ring about eight times. And I thought, <laughs> and I, so I actually said the lunch. I said, I think I've just been sacked. I haven't been able to take this call. I suspect he wanted to reach me on the phone because it was moving so quickly that he needed to tell me that they'd made mass changes and I was one of them. So I was, I was sacked. Uh, I rang back and I said, I, I, I assume you're ringing to tell me that I'm gone. He said, yep, that's true. And here's why. And he'd sacked on the same day from memory, um, glossing over with Dr. Turf, Tony Leonard and Trevor Marmalade. He'd sacked racetrack Ralphie Horowitz, who was the... EP of footy. And Ralphie, as per that report, was about to take legal action, yeah. by the way. I think he's still considering it, by okay. the way. Ralphie hasn't really moved on from it. Uh, uh, he doesn't move on from a lot of things, no, Ralphie. He's, no. he, he's, uh, he's held a grudge over it for a long time, and that's his, that's his way. And um, so five of us were moved on during lunch demo. So that's what happened. I got some great advice from my great mate, Christian Opus, who's the executive director of our business. He said, it doesn't matter whether you agree with or disagree, that you should go down, go and sit down two or three weeks later and... Work out what you could have learned from it. So we did. Went and saw Graham and sat oh, down. Yeah, yeah. Sat down after the event. Said, what do you reckon it all went wrong? And we had a mature chat about it. And I took a couple of things away from that. That What did he tell you, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. So I, I think, if I look back, I've talked about this before, I'm sure, somewhere. I, I, back, I think we did devote a bit yeah. of time to it in a previous series. Yeah. By the way, that was the single biggest day in our business because we, two hours later, realized that Glossing Over had been also sacked from its distribution through regional Victoria, ran quickly and took that distribution with Off the Bench. Off ah. the Bench moved 10 to 12 regional Victoria in the glossing over spot. And then it began the Off the Bench run, which then grew in back into the city at SEN and then grew into our... So that it was actually a good lesson in life that your worst day can sometimes be your best if you think, yeah, okay. if you can emotionally process it quickly enough. Yep. And a lot of people go home and can't deal with the emotions. I was lucky. I always felt like I had another job at Channel 9. Anyway, the... Um, well, at the time, my style was very... You'll say it still is, but it was it was even more combative. You know, I was, and it's a fundamentally conservative platform, 3W. Yeah, yeah. It is. So you've got to be exceptionally good at it to be combative. Neil Mitchell probably treads that line best of anybody. You can be soft and you can be aggressive. I was a bit too shock jock on the weekend and a bit too, you know, um, and Ralphie was probably a bit the same. If, he was, to be honest, if we were to be honest with ourselves, we were kind of pushing each other into breaking news and yeah. strong opinions. And I don't think really a fundamentally more conservative audience wanted to hear that tone. They were interested in a, in a more pleasant... A conversation. Conversation, yeah. yeah. And and I had... So I, I look back now and think it was the right... I understand why they did it with me. And I didn't... Shouldn't let myself get into that spot of playing that role as the way I did. But that was the that was what we were doing. And, yeah. And we had a, had a talk about the that audience being wanting a certain product. I always thought, do the product my way and make the audience fit. When in actual fact, there's some platforms, particularly... I'd say 3AW, 3AW more, than, more like, than most yeah. media outlets. Yeah, it's probably that way. Well, you need to actually fit them, not them fit you. Yeah. And so I hadn't paid enough attention to that and put myself in that position, I reckon, in the end of the day. And fundamentally, 
if he gets, if you come unstuck in life, it doesn't actually matter whose fault it is. You've actually can only clean up your own side of the street. So as I've said to you before, oh, you've said this many times. Yeah. If it's 98% someone else's fault in your mind and it's still 2% your fault. And so you've got to focus on your two. Now they would say, oh, it was 98% him and 2% us. And they might be right. In this case, I think they probably were. Um, but it, Regardless, you can only, it doesn't matter whether you're Just in the right or in the wrong. Yeah. It's a wasted emotion thinking about it. All yeah. you can think about is hey, what you take from it, I think. Yep. Don't expect everyone to have seen this next topic, Hutchie, in terms of what um, Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo did during the, uh, the soccer tournament uh, during the, the week where he moved the two props of Coca-Cola product off the stage when he was about to do a press conference and, and made a comment about drink water instead. You're a big sponsorship man. You're a big company man. What would you have done to him organising that company or that, that particular event with him doing that to the main sponsor? Yeah, well, firstly, he either didn't understand the consequence of his actions. Oh, I don't think he would ever not understand the consequence of a business decision, that man. Or, or he did. Yeah, I'd say the latter. Right. So let, let, let's work with the latter for this conversation. If he didn't understand the consequence of his actions and he was able to convince you of that, you'd have to take, you have to send a pretty stern warning. And I'm ruling that one out, Hutchie, without even delving into it. I, I, I know that he would if have he, known what he was doing. If he did it deliberately. Of course he did it deliberately. And knew the impact it would have, you had to come down on him like a ton of bricks. In what way? Well, you had to sanction him in some way. Now, it looked like they took a, a real soft approach to it, which is, uh, you know, Coke handled it well, didn't they? Oh, well, it's all about choice. People can do what they want. That was the only position they could take, I think. They couldn't take much. No, you other. couldn't condemn no. him, could you? Because then he would have just... And and no, you could, no, you've then got another fight on your you, hands. And you couldn't let it go either. You had to say something. You can imagine the PR, there would have been like a 12-country hookup on that day. How are we going to handle this? Oh, I mm. think this, I think that. And then the end, I reckon they landed on the right spot, Coke, which is you've got to let this one, got to wave this one through. Yep. I think the organisers were soft on him because he's got 300 million Instagram followers, the most followed athlete in the world. First person to throw him in, I think, during the week. And um, and they didn't want to rock the apple cart or the other stars. And so when, when I say I would rule out the former possibility, he was, once was a Coke ambassador himself or, or a Coke-sponsored athlete himself. So that man, I would think more than any other sports person in the world, yep. Serena Williams included, or but, but at least equal, would know that those – bottles of product were placed there for a reason. They, they, they didn't just happen to find themselves there. And we've had a copycat since already. We're one of the other players who did similar with the with the uh, was it the water. It's it happened twice in the tournament. Okay. In of all the millions of marketing managers in sports around the world, Damo, had anyone ever run the risk profile on that happening? They would have had to have, wouldn't they? I don't reckon. Rec- it's one of those obvious things that everyone's overlooked. Yeah. Someone has probably never, ever said, what happens if, let's like, if you were Coke going to that tournament, you would have thought about everything: COVID compliance, knock-on effects, how yep. to get the athletes' product, where the where the drink stations are, PR, you know, media row. You know, send the Coke bottles out to the media with a nice note saying, "Enjoy the Coca-Cola while you enjoy the tournament." They would Instagram that had fifteen social producers. Do you reckon at some point anyone said, "Hey, um, what if we got a protest? What happens if I don't know?" Biggest name, call it, say, Ronaldo. The <laughs> biggest name ever in soccer. Walks in, grabs a Coke off the desk and moves it. <laughs> and says, drink water. And says, drink water. No, that'll never happen. No, sorry. Anyway, where are we with the uh, Brazil plan on how we're going to leverage the uh, consumer promotion? It would have been one of those things that no one has ever considered happening. We, it's going to get, it's going to actually get more risk profile as it goes on because it wipes 
albeit temporarily for sure, mm. $5.2 billion off the share price. Really? $5.2 billion or... I think it's Australian dollars, it'd be James. It'd be four billion US. Why? It was if pu- the public could care that much about someone moving them the off. The public are the share price, don't It's Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's an elite athlete denouncing the product so publicly, and there's such scalable audiences, in, in the view of the market that day, had a residual brand effect. And had- ultimately, fundamentally, at the end of the day, it's a brand, right? Not a product anymore. It's, it's the scale of it is yeah. so significant. The brand is so important. Do you recall the issue we had in the AFL, Hutchie, with drinks being placed strategically before press conferences? Yeah, that's right. Am I – I think it was known – I'm about to name a name here, and I think it was public at the time that Rowan Connolly was taking the drinks just because he was waiting for coaches and he was thirsty. Remember that? Because a bit of a stink? When, when the Gatorade or Powerade... Hang on a minute. Roco. Yeah. Hang on a minute. I hope this was public. And if it's not, Rowan, I'm sorry. But that I'm pretty sure it was you. single first time <laughs> I've heard of that. I'm pretty sure happening. it was Roco. I just want to... No, but he was doing just, it innocently. It, was, it wasn't like Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo. I want to distance myself. And as the publisher of this podcast, distance ourselves... <laughs> no, it's not even a scandal. It was just funny. From any that we were aware of that, supportive of it. Oh, listen to you. It's unknown to me that's true or untrue. <laughs> Uh, LMTC three five one two. That's licensed motor car trader, I think. Kats. You don't have to do that one. It's alleged. <laughs> it is believed. Yeah. It's alleged that uh, the said person named before who. No, the the other drink stealer was never named. The other drink stealer that we used to carry on into the triple M box yeah. was never named. But the the, I'm pretty sure this got some publicity. I think in Scott Gullen's column at the time, and, I, and it was all in good fun. But. That was a bit of an issue. There was, I think, you're saying this is a bombshell. You're saying Ronaldo's not the first coke mover. (laughs) No, you're saying you know those old press conferences, Hutchie. They're as streamlined as they are around the world, where you wait and wait. I've I've done it myself. You're sometimes wait now for a coach to come into the room. Oh, you're now defending the behaviour. Rowan got thirsty. I think it was Rowan. (laughs) Roco Coca Cola. (laughs) That's the new brand. I think it was Gatorade or Powerade, whichever sponsor it was at the time. Were they encouraged to hand them out at the time, though? No, because I think by the time the coaches got there, the product had disappeared. So it was This is an outrageous claim. (laughs) I don't want to have any part of this. (laughs) I can't believe you, of all people, have have, have leveled this allegation. It's not, no. Hang on, Jane. Here we go. Jane's actually found the article in question. Can you read it for me, please, Hutchie? Look at this. My memory's serving me correctly, Hutchie. AFL media, Gatorade stature, comes clean after being caught in the act. There you go. There's a photo. Hang on. There's a photo. Please tell me Rowan Collie's name's in that article, Hutchie. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Go down if you can. (laughs) Please. The man who works for a Spence Street operation unmasked himself as football journalist Rowan Collie. Oh, yes. After score passed on his image to relevant authorities. There's a shot of Roko's left hand with the said Gatorade. Um, Look at that. So, oh, hang so, on a minute. He's actually admitted it on, on SEN back in the day. That now implicates me. It's the last <laughs> thing I want to hear. So, April 12, 2016. Drink stealers and, and blokes getting 12 weeks of leave, Hutchie, on this year. He denied taking the drinks home. He drank them while he was standing there. He did not take them. No, that was someone else doing that. I'm, I'm actually, there are legal impediments going down that path. We got legal Okay, I, I feel a bit better that we're not, that it was previously reported. You got me worried there for a moment. I was actually going to have to uh, say to Jane yeah. post the recording you, of by this. By the way, can we just take that, that name? Doesn't that speak to what journalism is? Yeah. When journal, journalists get very cautious about something until they learn it's previously recorded, reported, then they realise, ah, oh, it's been previously reported. So <laughs> yeah. There's another reference point, and then they just go, don't yeah. they? It's someone <laughs> else's problem. Yeah. It, is, it is being reported. Yeah. It, it has been reported. You just don't want it. You want, in in uh, journalism, you just sometimes want to go second. 
<laughs> with, with the real serious stuff like stealing drinks off the coaches panel. Hachi, let's go to question Roco Cola. The week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. All right, we're going to go with uh, Shaheen Marty's question this week on Facebook. Hachi, I've noticed through Footy Classified that you've grown a beard. Is this the next step towards the thawing of Hachi? I like this. You became very Damien-like during last week's scorecard, and I wonder if it coincides with your thawing. Like this, I actually hadn't read that before. I just read it out loud there, Hutchie. That's a good question from Shaheen. Well, you haven't noticed I've had a beard for the last. No, is it part months? of the thawing? Is it part of the thawing? Is the question? It's a distraction mid. When you when distraction you, yeah when you're in serious uh, decline <laughs> distraction mid then you need to actually create a diversion. <laughs> when you've got no hair left and you're in a pretty you know, pretty rough shape. You've got to try and it's just create a diversion. A distraction beard. I've never heard of a beard described such a way. Yep. And now I asked, I had to ask for permission from did Channel, you? Channel 9. Yeah. Who's your go-to there? Went to Brent Williams, my, the head of sport. So what do you reckon? What did he say? Well, I think I went to someone who went to Brent. I can't remember. Might have been. Yeah, well, you can remember that. You, did you go to Matt Conway? Might have gone to Matt who went to Brent. Yeah, but if, if I'm running a network, I want to be able to say whether someone has a beard or not from the male presenters. Yep. Have you had a lot of feedback to it? None. So it's not part of the thawing. It's just it's just maybe a distraction. Maybe it's helped the thawing and you haven't even noticed me start to thaw. Well that's the true way to thaw. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the that's the organic process of thawing as opposed to the one you you try and hasten it. No, I'm I'm locked in for the beard for the long term, Damo. So that's Okay. I'm on the journey of the beard. Um one more oh, we by call- the way, no, the race to be first I want to try and get to. Can we? The race to be first, yeah. 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 So the race to be first, which will be a Soundy event. By the way, the, the Soundies are coming together beautifully. We, we've got to get into your diary to, to record the Soundies along with a few other um, special episodes of the Sounding Board, Hutchie, on top of the, the weekly offerings. The Soundies are building. The build-up has been enormous. Yep. Unprecedented levels of sponsorship interest in the Soundies. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who want to suggest awards uh, privately, which I've been taking them down. have had a few suggestions, yep. What about Zach Merritt? Yeah. Have a look at you guys go here. Damien Barrett, Merit to sign a fresh 60 year estate by my more soon AFL.com. So get it out quick, damn it. Don't, don't worry about writing the story. Is that, okay. Yeah, tell, more soon means I'll get to it when I can. Now, you've gone, you've gone, uh, Zach, you were th- under this Twitter timeline, you were 37 seconds ago. <laughs> Tom Morris was 58 seconds ago. <laughs> Zach Merritt signed for six years, next out of contract in the 27th. Hang on, I'm just trying to put this. He, he, got, he beat me? Yep. Yeah, Tom beat you. Hang on, oh, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Cherney has beaten both of you. Yep. Zach Merritt re-signed for six years. He doesn't muck around with full stops. What I liked about Daniel, he didn't worry about putting a full stop or more soon or trying to promote anything. He didn't even say where he worked. Like the rest of you have gone at yeah. foxfooty at afl.com. Daniel Cherney's just gone, look at me, I know about Zach. And then a split second behind that, last in the bottom four on the Twitter feed. Yeah. So hang on, who, who won this? It was one? Mitch. And Mitch has gone. So, so Mitch went first. Mitch is the winner. Yeah. Yeah. And and you don't even work for the same business. How you couldn't have just reached over each other's <laughs> desk and gone, hey, do yeah. you, you want to post this or shall I? I don't think I've tweeted all You've year. You've actually raced against each other. <laughs> uh, you know what it was? Mitch has gone. Zach Merritt has re-signed with Essendon <laughs> until 2027. You know what he put at the end? What? See, he's once bitten, Mitch. Yeah. At AFL.com, do you? Because he realised when he went rogue on Twitter without referencing the business last year, he came unstuck and did himself a himself a little bit of a holiday, didn't he? So he thought, 
Just for goodness sake, make sure you get the AFL.com on the end. Even though that's not on AFL.com, he didn't write it on AFL.com. He got them mentioned in the tweet to buy a bit of cover. Whereas Daniel Cherney, he, has, he, didn't, he didn't do himself a mischief last year. So he just thought, here I am. And, it, and we'll put the photo up, but there's the four of you are all underneath each other on the Twitter feed in a race to be first. It's not a... You know, and none, about, none of you have told me one thing other than he signed for six years, by the way. He didn't get any... No money, no colour, no why, no how. He just wanted to be first. I was actually about to pick up my car from being serviced. I know, because you've said more soon. I knew you had something else on. No, I had no intention of doing any more. Yeah, I, I reckon you probably did, no, did, did your car service before you wrote something, because no. you've said more soon. No, normally I would have actually rung Mitch to say, listen, have you, are you onto this? And then I thought, the guy who rang me said, go now, go now. It's 100% right. I still managed to still check it, Hutchie, because you know me, my theory is to get two sources. And I, um, I know you've gone quick, so, you've, so said by, more, you've just said more soon. No, but by getting the second source, I've cost myself 23, was it? 23 seconds. I should have just gone with the first source. And you, you know what's happened? You know what's cost you? What? I've had a look at this. Yeah. So uh, we'll put this up on Twitter second. It's 37 seconds via minute. So you're 23 seconds behind me. Because Mitch. I went for the second source. More soon's taking you at least 10 seconds to write those two words. <laughs> yeah. And there's a tautology and, in there. Is there? You've used the word fresh. Meredith signed a fresh six year deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How could the six year deal be anything other than fresh? He hasn't signed an old six year deal. <laughs> You don't need the word fresh. So you've cost yourself. I just should have said Merritt has re-signed. You've cost yourself. Because, you've got, because you're so conservative, you've had to write a couple of extra words that were unneeded, whereas the massage has just gone bang and put the employer on the end so that he can, when, when he gets called into HR, he goes, hang on a minute, I wrote down AFL.com. And, and, they've, got a, and they've, they've reopened the file. Didn't you do this last year? I forgot. Yeah, so I did it last year. You've wasted the word fresh. Daniel Cherney, I reckon, has learnt last. But he's been the most succinct. That's why he's run second. <laughs> and Tom's just tried to put a bit of colour into it and cost himself dearly with that next out of contract at the end of 2027. Cost himself dearly. Yeah. yeah. But you put the word fresh in. I reckon that was the interview. And, and Mitch wins by a nose. And, what, and, what, and, and by the way, I don't reckon it's still on AFL.com. Neither of um, you thought to actually write no, it for the, no, I think, it for the I think, place you work for. I actually think Cal Toomey did it properly and wrote the story before yeah. he tweeted. <laughs> I think Cal Toomey was on there about an hour ill before all so, of us. Neither you or Mitch have given your business any value at all, other than it's been a, it's been a um, no. I think I'm pretty sure you know what competition. Kel Toomey, um, Kel Toomey was all over it, actually. I think he just had the story written and ready to go, just waiting for whatever he needed. Yep. So um, has anyone ever not signed a fresh contract? <laughs> have you ever heard of anyone who signed an, uh, something? The contract, which is not fresh, will seem through to 2027. That's cost me. It's a tautology. Yeah. Fresh contract. I want to talk about Tassie, Hachi, but I think we're out of time, so we might have um, to... It's all on my agenda for the... Uh, we'll talk about Tassie next week alongside alongside your Cynics Association Top 10. You need to put your homework into that, please. Yep. By the way, the um, the charter of the Cynics Association, yep. which I've been developing for the board, <laughs> which you're president of, there's a lot, it's been hard... The, con- the constitution? Yeah. yeah. You, you've already said to me, why do we need a constitution? This will never work. There's going to be clauses in there we don't like. Why would we? Why would we even be doing this? I don't understand why we need a board. I don't understand why anyone else is joining. We've already had. You've been. You've been cynical about the Cynics Association. That's been my biggest challenge. Probably should have thought through what you were about to say there as we're closing the show down with that, Hutchie. This you've just been, flattened it there. You, you had it on a high a few minutes ago over the, the over the race to be first, but now you've just flattened it. You've flattened episode twenty-one of series six for this has been. A, this has been. A fresh episode of the sounding board for Drinkwise. And if you're choosing 
to listen from a fresh perspective, choose to drink wise. And if you're choosing to have 12 weeks annual leave on the SEN books, also choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.